Hey guys, it's me, your friend, Emily Bronte, here to tell you about my new favorite way to find that next perfect book. RT Book Reviews is one of the world's most popular independent book sites. From bestsellers to hidden gems, they're here to help you discover your new favorite books and authors. So you guys know I've been running wild in my monster romance era, reading everything that has fangs and a tail, but sometimes, you know, you need to branch out. Monster Smut wasn't quite cutting it for me. I was missing the world building that a really great fantasy can bring you, but I wasn't ready to let go of the romance quite yet. Luckily, RT Book Reviews has an entire collection of articles to help you find your next read, no matter what your mood is. So I ended up reading the 20 books like the Crescent City series by Sarah J. Moss list. And halfway through, I had already downloaded my newest read, King of Flesh and Bone by Liv Zander, a dark romance fantasy with a villain as the romantic lead. Ugh, it's like it was made for me. And I never would have found it if it wasn't for RT Book Reviews. Visit rtbookreviews.com today to discover your new favorite books and authors. Welcome to Mood Readers, a book review podcast where three friends conquer their TBR list eventually. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mood Readers Podcast. It's me, your friend, Emily Bronte, here with my friends, Nora Redacted and Jane Austen. And we are back for another episode of Book Club. So happy you guys could join us. Here's what I'm thinking, all right? It's a weeknight. We're all over 30. What more should we do than play a drinking game, right? Yeah. This, this, this is especially perfect because, as we stated, we're all over 30. And I went to the doctor and he was like, hey, there was like maybe some elevated whatever on a liver test. Let's just retest your liver. And I said, well, will drinking alcohol affect that? Because I'm in a Monday night D&D club where we drink alcohol. And this was a Tuesday morning at 7.45 a.m. And then he like... Yeah looked at me with a judgmental eye because I guess I was drinking on a weekday night, like a Monday, and he was like, let's just go a full month and then retest Whoa. your liver. And I was just uh, like, month? so anyways, I am alcohol free tonight <laughs> in an attempt as apparently a 107 year old woman to get my liver in check. I just didn't want to waste the money on those lab tests if uh, the two beers no. I had the night before, not even 12 hours earlier, was going to affect the numbers. And then okay. it turned this into... Is- Dry March. Absolutely hey, not. <laughs> that happened to my husband, and he cut back a lot, but not like completely. And then his next test was fine. So you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I'm sure like he just wanted to test me right away because he was like, it's probably nothing because it was like slightly elevated. But he's like, you're of an age. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me, sir. Absolutely not. Listen, this was like last year when I was about to get LASIK and my eye doctor was like, well, you're almost 40. And my heart stopped (gasps) because at the time (laughs) I was exactly in between 30 and 40. Like I was 35 (laughs) and no one had you're about 40 me yet. And here we are uh, no, a year later. You're not. Oh my God. <laughs> Unacceptable. No, I don't like that. No, those are not the vibes there. They're not. Over here in Jane Austen land, we're going to be doing sober never have I ever. Perfect. See, this is why I don't get tested for things. 
Because Me either. I haven't been to the doctor in entirely no. too long to get a blood no. test. <laughs> Absolutely not. I refuse. Yeah, that's terrible. That should be criminal. Somebody telling you that you're almost 40 when you're clearly not. Mm-hmm. I say this because I'm not quite um, one year younger than Jane. So, like, my time is coming. Yeah, you're exactly of the age when my eye yeah, doctor told right. me, well, you know, <laughs> you're right. almost 40, so. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> I will take comfort in the fact that nobody has directly told me that yet. I just don't think that's fair. Why are we doing that when, like, that is also almost 30? Like, if it is almost that's 40, right. then it's also almost 30 okay Okay. well this is where i I hate to be like reasonable but he was saying this in a Uh. you're going to get lasik but all human adults after the age of 40 typically need readers so he wanted to make it very clear that like i'm going to see fine but like i will need readers like it's not going to fix that because that's just something that happens to all humans and you typically around 40 or thereafter so he was telling like i'll probably get 10 good years before i need readers I was like, that's fine. I was absolutely blind. LASIK changed my life, but he just didn't have to just throw it. I interrupted him. He was (laughs) mid-sentence. And I was like, I'm sorry, you said I was almost 40? Really say this to me, sir? A lot of traumatizing doctor's visits. Never have I ever read a Stephen King novel. Uh, you just did that on purpose. Adam. I told I told you a lot of them are ones that I, that y'all have done that I haven't done. I I mean I believe that when I look at your face, but like in the general <laughs> scheme of things, I find that so hard to believe. <laughs> He's just written forty five thousand books, and they're not I've, all horror books. I've never read one. So so I will jump in here and say that I did not read any Stephen King books until I met my husband. And my husband was the asshole who was like a paperback reader. And he was like, uh, what's wrong with you? Who do you think you are? You think you're too, Miss English Literature Degree, you think you're too good for Stephen King? Try this one out. And I did just to prove him wrong, but then I loved it. So <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I would of course I would of course corrected you so much earlier in your life. Well, you know, I didn't want to tell everybody that I was a snob. I just was a snob. So <laughs> I knew I would get My judged. Husband, right. My husband is now into Stephen King, and so he's got all these books and he wants me to read them. And I just I I don't know if we'll get there. No, you gotta I don't know right if it'll happen. The ones that he's into, he's into Dark Tower, right? That's not yeah, the right he, fit for you. He read all of those, but now he's on it, and he's talked mm. a little bit of it to me, and I don't know if it's, it's for so me. It's so good, though. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. I've seen the movies, but I have no, never no, read no, the no. book. It, I think, is really maybe more successful if it's in audiobook form. I have That is oh, how okay. I read it. That is exactly uh-huh. how I read it, and I adored it. And have not it, it but I adored the book. That's how I... Yeah, that's how I finished it was yeah. in audio. I had started it several times, but it is a massive tome of a yeah. cocaine riddled fever dream. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like a, I don't know if it's the cocaine if that's one of the cocaine ones, but I don't want to like put it in the same category. It might be, I don't know. But I don't want to put it in the same category as the uh, fuck what's his name? The dog book Crazy dog book. Cujo? Cujo. Okay, so when my husband was trying to convince me to re- read Stephen King, and he and I was like, okay, but like Cujo, right? Like, what's the point of this book? And he was like, I don't know. It's really good. And I was like, is it though? Or is it just somebody who gets trapped in a car while a dog tries to eat them? And he was like, <laughs> well, yes, but. But <laughs> and did you, books. didn't you end up liking Cujo though? 
No, I never read Cujo. Oh. Did you watch the movie? Yes. And okay. Just spoiler alert. It's exactly the way I described it. <laughs> You're like, all right, so this is the movie, huh? There's the dog and the car. Okay. Well, all right. I, I'm not doing a good job of being a Stephen King ambassador. You should try him on for size. There are just so many ones to choose from. True. So okay. Who's next? Tried to quickly Google was Stephen King on cocaine when he wrote it, and it, that's actually <laughs> a really hard thing to Google quickly. So yeah, uh, internet, you tell us. <laughs> hey, Stephen King, you tell us. Yeah, Stephen King. We love you. Two out of the three of us love you. Please tell us. Were you on cocaine when you wrote it? Emily thinks no. Jane thinks yes. Prove us wrong. The battle. Sincerely. The battle of the. Uh, <laughs> English okay. English literature <laughs> great. Yes. Moors. And drawing. This is our dramas. rap battle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please tell us who's wrong. Sincerely, your friends, Jane and Emily. Okay, I'll go next. I have one. Never have I ever <laughs> except I have dressed up <laughs> to go to a book release. Dressed up as in dressed up like a book character and attended a book release. I have never done that. I, I would love to do that. You should have done that. I wasn't like a character, but I wore like bookish themed merch. Okay. So not, I was, I'm like, not talking about like merch. The... I'm talking about okay, like a costume no. or like a con. Well, fine. What did you, you dress up fun. as? I was, okay. Now keep in mind, this was 2007. It's a long okay. time ago. Things were different, but I dressed up as Professor Trelawney. To go to a Harry Potter oh, book release. Oh, that's perfect. And it was that is so, so fun. fun. And it was actually have big round glasses like Trelawney now. I know you do. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So that's what I did. And it was fun. And I want to say it's the only time I ever did that. I, well, okay. I take that back. I've dressed up as a book character for another event. And that time I was Tonks. Oh, cute. Jane dressed up too. It just wasn't for a book release. Exactly. I was going to say, I was, you were Tonks and I was Money Myrtle. This oh, was great. Yeah. Cute. I love that. Okay. Jane has to take a drink of water. Mm, no, because the criteria was a book release. <laughs> Fine. Don't hydrate yourself. <laughs> Never have I ever finished an assigned reading book for a college class. I'm sorry, what? What? Never. What did you say? Is that <laughs> never? Possible? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, like, it is. But like, like as far as like, you know, I mean, I have a music degree, so nobody ever made nobody ever was like, here's a book, like like a legit book of literature. But you here. have you took English 101. Yeah, exactly. That's oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed in you, Nora. I mean, I read some Ugh. of them. Like, I read a little bit of them. But you didn't but I, finish them. I never finished them. Okay, I only, so. I only made an A in my in my one English 101 class. And then after that, it was Bs. I shake my head at you, Nora. I was my too entire, busy. <laughs> too busy. My entire, like, three-fourths of my bookshelf, the part that I don't feature on TikTok, is comprised of used paperbacks from college and grad school. <laughs> Like, oh, man. Of just like all these books that I bought at our local university bookstore with the big yellow used sticker on it that I just adored so much that I could not part with them, even as a poor college student who could have resold them. But I kept them because they were beautiful and they're all over my shelves. I for They're sure not photogenic. Fine. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, I didn't even finish. We did Harry Potter and I didn't even read uh, it. I uh, ended up reading okay. Harry Potter after college. Oh, <laughs> my God. What is happening? What is going on here? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was the first book, I, too. <laughs> what? I, I, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> that's mean. This is good, James. To put, let it out because right now I'm the only one that sounds like a jerk, and I would like some company. Uh, no, but I think my this brain what... has short circuited. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you have AR, like '90s AR yeah. program trauma. That's is fair. That somebody then gives you a book and says, "Here, read this for a class," and, and you're like, "Absolutely not." Yeah, yeah, take That's a test real. on it. Absolutely not. But hey, I have a degree. AR trauma is very real. <laughs> I graduated college without finishing a single one of those books. That is an accomplishment in and of itself. <laughs> you know. That's pretty badass, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but it's a little bit when you say it like that. Like, I didn't finish a single book. Boom. Give me my degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. But there you go. Okay. Okay, I've got another one if Jane does not have one ready. No, please She's don't. Still upset. <laughs> <laughs> I like took I, I took um, extra I took extra like English courses in college. Like they weren't like I needed like an extra like fine arts whatever and there was like an English course yeah. that fit that category. So I took like I took like extra English courses in college and you didn't even read a single book. <laughs> not like for a class. Nope. Like yeah. So yeah, not for <laughs> this is why this is why my brain is like short circuiting. <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, this is a cheap shot. I apologize. Never have I ever gotten a tattoo that is related to a book. This is uh, definitely a cheap shot because I believe I'm the only tatted person on yeah, this podcast fair. in general. No, forever, I have a though. tattoo. It's just not a book tattoo. Do I have a really know? tiny one. Yeah, on my foot. It's in white. So, I mean. Yeah, okay. You know, it was a mistake. I've seen your feet. <laughs> yeah. Even if it was, even if it was in black, it's so this is small. Fantastic I don't content. know if you would see it. You're <laughs> learning so much. <laughs> Maybe we're going to get extra, like somebody's going to send us a check or something just because we're talking about feet. It's like the... Uh, <laughs> send enough to for us to split three ways, please. Thank you. <laughs> and if you want to see Nora's feet, I will send you a picture. Just let me know. <laughs> oh, I have another one. A quick one. Great. Okay. Okay. We're just, we're going wild now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never have I ever read The Help by that lady that wrote The Help or, a, and or seen the movie. Oh, I saw the movie. Ah. <laughs> I read I the book and the book. saw the, the movie. Oh, Jane. I own the book, but I haven't read it yet. But I did nice. see the movie. It was very good. I haven't. I haven't done either, and it just never happened for me. You know? Oh, I have one that kind of goes along with this. I did too. Okay. Never have Ooh. I ever read the book or seen the movie, and will probably Ooh. never eat, pray, love. I don't know if we've me got neither. some eat, pray, lovers in here. Oh, I saw. I saw the movie. <laughs> I went with a boy, and it was trash. <laughs> it was I have trash. not seen or read either. I did recently see the trailer for the movie. That's why it's oh. top. Okay, the, the movie from like 2011 or something? I think maybe even It was older probably than around that. that time. Wow. Okay. I think it was around that time. It was either 2010, 2011. Yeah, it was it's not worth your time. Okay. Good to know. Okay, I have one. Never have I ever 
enjoyed a movie version over a book version. Come on, drink. <laughs> Since this is a, an audio format. I have two. And one of them is not controversial. And one of them is quite controversial, if you think about it. So I have read uh, The Dragon Tattoo. Mm. And I actually think that the movie version was a cleaner experience. And by cleaner, I mean oh. like the messiness of the storyline and the twists and the turns and the red herrings. Well, that why did we do this? That was sort of pointless. Do you know what I mean? Like, I respectfully yeah. disagree. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> I've, never read, yeah. I've never read or seen the movie, so I have no valid opinion here. I, I want to say it's fun, but it's very dark. So. Oh, yeah, it's very dark. It's an but experience. I, but I think it's fun. No, I, I just, fun. I did prefer the book over the movie. I enjoyed the book, but I, yeah. The other one, and I'm very firm on this as the person who is not actually Emily Bronte, don't tell the world. I really enjoy Wuthering Heights as a movie, like a million times more than the book <laughs> which which one isn't there multiple ones there's so many <laughs> yeah <laughs> all of them have good parts uh my particular favorite is the tom hardy version because he's hot I have one you do yes i prefer a thousand times the movie carrie with sissy Spacek over <gasps> the book carrie Ooh, oh classic Love I've that. Seen, I've seen Carrie, but obviously never read it. I have not actually read Carrie. Mostly because my friend Jane showed me the movie when I was like mm -hmm. 16 and was like, don't even bother. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. And I was I like, okay. I that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and you and trusted I, her. I trusted her. I still do. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. It was actually really like movie. quite recent, like within the past decade, I think that I like actually read Carrie. And I was just like, no. Uh, so that might be part of it. Like Disney Spacek was there for me first. And so, there yeah. Never have I ever read Lord of the Rings. Any of the books. Any Do you want to know any of them? Because guess what? One of them was an assigned reading in college. <laughs> and I started it, got pretty far, but never yeah. finished it. The Hobbit? Yes, The Hobbit. God, but The Hobbit favorite. is so short. Um, <laughs> the Hobbit is my favorite. So I want to I want to clarify my position here because I don't want to be a super fraud. Adore The Hobbit. Read it so many times all through middle school. Love it. Got to high school. Had a major crush on a boy. The boy was super into Lord of the Rings. I, being Emily, am like, <laughs> I'm going to impress him. I'm going to read the book that he loves so much. Tried so hard, you guys. Could not get past Tom Bombadil. Couldn't <laughs> hack it. They got to the part where they're like singing in the forest and it's just oh. like pages and pages of song lyrics. And I'm just like, I can't, no boy is worth this. <laughs> Amen. Hey, well, I don't feel the same. I read all the way through uh, book five, which is like the first half of book three, but I did not finish Lord of the Rings because I fell in love with all the characters and I have a hard time pitching books, TV shows, whatever fair. about people that I love. So yep, that's mm -hmm. fair. I totally get that. That's why I never That's finished Thirty Rock. Yeah, screw Lord of the Rings, guys. It's just terrible. Don't finish it. It'll make you cry. You sacrifice your morals for a boy. It's terrible. <laughs> I actually do want to read them. So, I don't know. Don't tell anybody. You guys. Internet, don't tell anyone. I <laughs> Speaking of sacrificing your morals for a boy, I have one. I have a Never Have I Ever that goes along with that. Never Have I Ever Been Team Darkling. From the Grishaverse. <laughs> she says as she drinks. 
<laughs> Y'all, come on. The next season comes out in like some of the days, six days, something like that. I believe exactly a week from today. Oh, I'm so ready. Oh my God. You know, I was listening to our, our mini episode with the Kindle Unhinged, and we were talking about the groundhog guy <laughs> being a mass murderer. And I was like, wow, this relates so much right. to the Darkling. <laughs> this is a theme. This is a theme with Emily. <laughs> but to be fair, she is not into the groundhog. I was about no. to say, no. we should probably go on record and <laughs> no. say that she's not hot for the groundhog. He is not hot for the groundhog. That's one monster but, too far for me. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I can't help it. I was watching. There is a show where a bad guy is standing next to our heroine who is a good gal. And he's like, be my queen. And then he shows her like this vision of like who they could be. And I'm like, not he's not even done talking. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's go. Let's. What are we wearing? Let's do this. Where's I'll my see, crown? All she needs is the crown. I just need the crown. I'm ready. That was okay. fun. That was super fun. That was a good idea. Okay, so now that we are done with our hydration game. (laughs) Or dehydration game. You know, hydration is involved one way or another. (laughs) We're going to move on to our first review of the episode with my friend Jane. Jane, what have you been reading? Thank you so much for asking, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. Look oh, at this book cover. So, Look at the tentacles. Okay, that's beautiful, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nora's over you here like. Focus in on the tentacles. What? Are those tentacles? <laughs> they look pretty. <laughs> For those of you listening, the cover is this beautiful, like, mostly yellow, blue, red. There's this crashing wave. There's a ship. There's these tentacles. You guys probably can't see it, but they, they go under the water into, like, the body of the bean right here. Um, oh, I see the bigger tentacles now. <laughs> yeah, it's just a beautiful cover. Hey, that's a that's a book of the month It book. is. The moment I saw that this was an option, I didn't even look at the other titles. I bought it because. I wanted to. (laughs) All right. So The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi is a story about a 40-year-old pirate lady. I'm already in love. Yeah. She is retired from pirating like 10 years ago when she was like 30. And she's living in her isolated, you know, little house with the leaky roof and sort of doing mundane life things. When an old woman shows up at her door and she says, my granddaughter has been kidnapped by a Frank. Oh, so I should explain. We're in 12th century on Earth and we are in the area of the Indian Ocean. So all of the actions... Um, Amina was a pirate on the Indian Ocean traversing those waters in the 12th century. So, old lady comes up and she's like, a Frank has kidnapped my daughter and I will give you one million dinars to go get her and bring her back. And Amina, with her leaky roof, was like... That's life-changing money. So she makes a really hard decision. Amina is like her grandfather was a pirate. He was called the Leopard of the Sea. And Mm. so she's sort of taken over like his career 
if you will. Oh my god. As a it. lady pirate, she's like really tall. Everyone's always like, oh my gosh, you're so big. But so she was like this fearsome lady pirate that had all these adventures and then she became a mom and settled down and is living this quiet life. But that adventure within her has like, it just doesn't die. It's always there. So she's presented with this. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> this this book is dedicated to moms. I'll read the dedication at the Aww. end. But yes, please. <laughs> yeah, so she is presented with this option that allows her to go on like one more adventure of like who she was before she became a mom, but also oh, nah. because it she has to be away from her daughter when that breaks her heart as well, but the reward could change their life. So she accepts the offer because of the money and because the old grandmother lady kind of blackmails her into it she's like i know who you are and uh i'll tell everybody and now i know where you live and good luck with your family (laughs) so she gathers this old lady this old lady is basically jane like when when jane's old and gray that's good what she's gonna be like she arrives being carried (laughs) like she's got like the staff of people that are carrying her and then she pushes back the curtain and she's like hello oh man it's my dream dream to be this grandmother (laughs) love this (laughs) so jane goes to the jane so Amina <laughs> goes to the city where the granddaughter was kidnapped from and she recruits her old ship and starts recruiting her old crew together. The first person she goes to recruit, though, is... I love these storylines. Yes. Like, I got to get back, get the gang back together. Where are they? Ocean 11. Let's go. Yes. She love recruits it. the, like, Mistress of Poisons. Or whatever. That's yes. her first recruit. And uh, when she meets the Mistress of Poisons, who is in the Bon Assassin, I believe is what they call it. Anyways, it's like this whole like poisoners like guild. Cool. When she meets her, she's like, Oh, Amina, it's been so long. And she like touches her arm and touches her face. And Amina is like, if she's poisoned me, like it's all up. like she it's her dear friend, yeah. but she's very aware that like she might have just been poisoned because it's been ten years since she's seen her. So she recruits the gang, which immediately after the Mistress of Poisons involves rescuing them from the jail. So there's a jail breakout. There's all sorts of heists. And we go in search of this rich old lady's granddaughter in our final ride to glory and adventure mm-hmm. of all together. And we're also like healing the stuff that happened in the past that caused Amina to retire from pirate dumb. It wasn't just the daughter. Something horrific happened. This is part of what manipulated her into going to look for the granddaughter. But something horrific happened and she retired. And now she's sort of like on this journey to apologize and to heal, save the granddaughter, make a life. Save the world. Yeah. I love this. As she goes along, she finds out that maybe the granddaughter went willingly with the frame. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this all isn't what it seems. And it's just one sort of sea adventure, mystical creature adventure after another in this like really rich world in the Middle East, Africa. 
all that. Yeah. Yeah. In the 12th century. It reminds me like, I don't know about the rest of you, but sort of my first introduction to the Middle East in life was uh, 1001 Arabian Nights. And so reading this book was like hearing all those like exotic tales that you heard Mm -hmm. through that book. And you're just like fascinated with like the horses and the people covering their heads and all that stuff. Like this had that same sort of vibe, but like for the older crowd and older Very not cool. that old because <laughs> as we have established i not am 40. approaching 40 not yet 40 <laughs> <laughs> so amina she runs into she's even though she's a devout muslim she's like very sexually okay this is fascinating for me coming from you know repressed christian upbringing she's like she's out there she at one point in her past married a demon because she thought he was hot and she wanted to sleep with him but she was like we gotta be married first and uh she didn't know he was a demon but Uh, details. Muslims are also very conservative, so this is uh, this is very this interesting. This is a 12th century um, Muslim, so I assume right. we were yeah. a little looser. We believed in lots of different gods right. and stuff, and that's that's part right. of the book is the like mixing of all the cultures in the Indian Ocean. So uh, when the book that's was very awesome. cool, when the book was over. The author talks about like the extensive, extensive research that she did and how it was like this real melting pot, and about how the Indian Ocean was like basically used for travel, like five. 5,000 years before, you know, white people were like, look at these other oceans. So it's just such like a, a rich world that exists, but I didn't know about. So it was like this beautiful escapism fantasy, but I'm escaping to like an actual part of culture, time, yeah, part of the world. That is really cool. There's also one of the characters is exploring their gender, and it was a great representation of that. So it's like, it's not the 1001 Arabian Nights that you would have grown up right. with. Like there's like some right. like very now themes in the book but it was wonderfully written i was so i was so excited to get this book like immediately i knew i've sort of been on this whole pirate thing lately anyways without um doing it but anyways i promised to read the dedication yes yes the dedication says for all this parenting and hardship during pandemics through climate crises and under occupation for those struggling to keep food on the table and juggle multiple jobs and impossible childcare, for everyone who set aside their own dreams briefly or forever to lift those of the next generation. Why is she attacking us? Like I'm, I'm legitimately teared up. It yeah. is. It makes awesome. me Love tear that. up just reading it. So, anyways, the adventures of Amina Al Sarafi. If you get a chance and you want high seas adventures and you want a female middle aged main character who has to make some Hell really yeah. tough decisions, like my life, I always wanted with adventure and legendary stories versus you know my daughter who I love more than anything in the world. And how she melds those two mm-hmm. worlds together. Highly recommend. Oh, done. done. I mean, like, okay. Doesn't even. I'm je- yeah. I'm I'm really jealous that, like, you read that. Yeah. Like, I have not. <laughs> I feel the same way. Like, I opened it up I, in the first. Because I read everything. And the first thing I read was the dedication. And I was like, I'm out. I mean, like, I've, so I looked at my Goodreads, and I've read 20 books this year, and I cannot think of one that was, like, as special as what that sounds like. Oh, that sounds God. so I cool. I was in the middle of it, and I was like, this might end up being, like, one of my top reads of the year. Like, you know when you get that feeling? Like, I yeah. was just, yeah. it was, it was perfect for me. 
I have said a lot in the last five years that like, yes, yes, 20-year-olds adventures, that's all nice, well, and good. I really genuinely am more interested in a story about a fucking like badass mom and not just a mom necessarily, mm-hmm. but somebody of that age. She's because got, she's this got a is a person knee. Who, she's got a twangy knee yeah. that like, oh, yeah. I relate so <laughs> Like a person who has like, who understands how to do hard things because yeah. they've done hard yeah. things. That is interesting yes. to me. Like that, I want to read about that. So like, yeah, this sounds incredible. I definitely did not cry on air. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait to read this. I waited until nope. everyone was inebriated to uh, sucker punch <laughs> you with that emotion. Not <laughs> cool. So rude. <laughs> not cool. Okay. doesn't. And what was the title and the author again? It is The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. Ugh, gorgeous. Adding it to my list immediately. Done. Okay. I cool. am going to go ahead and give you my review because Nora is going to go last. She has some interactive stuff for us. Listeners, if you recall, our last full episode, I did the mood wheel and the mood wheel tried hard to tell me to read a memoir. And then I (laughs) was a little like dick and I was like, I want to read a memoir. And so we did it again. And the mood wheel said memoir again. And then Jane very accommodatingly was like, okay, how about now? And it was fantasy. And you both convinced me to read The Stolen Air. So real quick, I'm going to tell you, I read The Stolen Air. It was amazing. I adored it. I was not disappointed. I know that with characters and worlds that you love passionately, sometimes it's scary to go back because you're like, oh God, what if it lets me down? What if these new people are not, just not as lovable? They were so lovable, you guys. It was so good. I just, I can't wait for the next one. So highly recommend Stolen Air. You will not be disappointed. But then after I read The Stolen Air, (laughs) I was like, maybe I should read a memoir. And I've kind of been on <laughs> well, a cult fix. <laughs> I was going to say, let's be honest about me gateway drugging you. Into yeah. These well, yes. Okay. So Jane read her Corinne last time. And I was like, oh my God, that's giving me keep sweet, pray and obey vibes. So then immediately after we record, I turned that on and watched it like again. Because I'm like addicted <laughs> to cult shit. Mm-hmm. And then I was at work and I was like avoiding work. I think it was a Friday. And I texted the group chat and I was like, I need cult book vibes, please. I need an FLDS book. I need keep sweet in a book form. And Jane immediately sent me like three options. She's like, I've personally read all of these. Uh, so, So I went for it and I ended up reading Shattered Dreams, My Life as a Polygamist's Wife, a memoir by Irene Spencer. A memoir. Memoir. So, so this is one. So, Jane, this is one that you have read as well. Yes, but I read it like three years okay. ago. Okay. Okay. Jump in as needed. I won't mm. remember anything. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So, this book, like I said, it is a memoir. It actually came out like in two, like twelve years ago, or no, like fourteen years ago. I don't know. I can't do math. It came out a while ago. <laughs> and sadly, Irene Spencer has passed on a couple of years ago. She was in her 80s. Okay. Yeah, and it looks like she... So I read the uh, 2019 reissue that was put out by her family members that had some updates and some epilogue type stuff of uh, Irene towards the end of her life. So that was really cool. Okay, so this fucking book, guys. Cried at work. 
like three times. Cried at home a bunch. So Irene Spencer grew up in a fundamentalist Mormon family. So like when we're talking about the FLDS, the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints Church. So if you guys have seen Keep Sweet, the documentary, you know, they talk about Short Creek, where the FLDS congregated. That's where she grew up. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah so she was she, like big into it. She, wow. she is a niece of the original Rulon, uh, not the one that oh. came to power in the 80s, because she is a teenager in the 50s. Okay. So she is fourth generation. When we meet Irene, like growing up a little girl uh she's fourth generation polygamous family so it's all not only is it all she's ever known like absolutely drilled in to every child the absolute importance of living the polygamous lifestyle it's not like a choice it's like a calling you owe it to god and so we understand that she also grows up in total poverty i mean she's a child in the 30s and the 40s so one of the things i thought was cool about this story is like it reminded me a lot of the stories i've heard from my grandparents my grandparents were not polygamists for the record (laughs) but Growing up in the 30s and 40s, I think a lot of people experience extreme poverty in America. Mm -hmm. So, like, that was really interesting and very compelling. But then Irene is, like, she's smart. She's strong. She's kind of a middle daughter, so she's a little bit sassy. And she's really cute. And, you know, she's exploring her options. And she actually, Mm -hmm. no spoilers. I mean, spoilers, like, sorry, guys. But (laughs) it's in the title. She is a polygamist wife, okay? (laughs) So (laughs) we know what's going to happen. But in the beginning of the book, when she's, like, 16, she falls in love with a non-polygamist. And he Uh is amazing. And he's kind. And he talks to her. And, like treats her right and has his own farm you guys he has a car and a farm with running water and electricity (laughs) they watch television together and i'm saying all these things because later it's gonna get so bad so like he's so great and for like a year 15 year old irene which is still ridiculously young but it is the 1950s and everybody's very poor irene is like i could do this i could live this life i could marry him i could yeah you could And she says that. She's like, I want that normal life. And he loves her. But her aunts, her many, many aunts, her many, many uncles and cousins and family members and community members really work hard to pressure her to live the calling and be a polygamist. And she ultimately, sorry, spoilers, rejects her handsome boyfriend, never forgets him. I boohooed at work. Everybody was like, are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. (laughs) No, I'm never going to be okay again. Because everything that happens... After she rejects him, is mm. yeah, it's still bad. She had that glimmering moment of hope, like it was right there. It was right there, and she was not. She was not empowered to take that chance, and Mm -hmm. that's not her fault. She was a child, but. Fuck, man, it was so hard. Okay, so Irene ends up marrying a very handsome 20-something. I think he's like 22 or whatever. So he's young, you know, FLDS member who is married to, wait for it, her half-sister Charlotte. No. Oh, okay. So (laughs) her half-sister Charlotte has been married to this guy for two years, and they have a baby. They're very cute. They live in a house in town with, like, electricity, running water, a TV set, an oven, you know, all these nice things. Mm -hmm. And she married him and it's weird and she as she's doing it she's like this is weird so because uh the flds knew that polygamy was illegal the first marriage gets celebrated and you get to have a wedding and everybody knows 
You get to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. You get to get a wedding dress, et cetera, et cetera. Every subsequent marriage is illegitimate in the eyes of the state. So. Oh, so you don't get the. You get get nothing. (laughs) You don't. She is a six. At this point, she's 16 and she marries this very handsome man who seems very nice. But she has to do it in the dead of night. She can't tell any of her family members because if they are questioned by the police later, they need to be able to say, I have Mm -hmm. no idea. It's so sad. And that is the very beginning. And they did that. They did that in that documentary. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. exactly. It checks out. And this is the beginning of the downfall of Irene oh, Spencer. Man. It just gets so much worse from there, you guys. All right. So I'll try to cut to the chase. They get married. That Emily her. was like, give me a book. And I was like, all right, you asked Done. for this. <laughs> Take it. It's not fun. <laughs> this is what you wanted. Here we go. Buckle up. Yeah. So basically, overall, to try to summarize, Irene and her husband and her sister wife, sister, sister, Mm -hmm. sister wife, (laughs) go to her husband's ranch, quote unquote, in Mexico. And the concept is that they're going to live in Mexico and live free because they can be honest and open. Hi, I'm other wife. Because it's just the United States government and their like terrible rules. Right. They're and they're mm-hmm. like going after. But she polygamy. still doesn't get. She still doesn't get a wedding. Nope. She doesn't get no, the nice dress. It gets so much worse. Irene moves to Mexico. She's thinking ranch, like house, big fence, charming cattle. You know, apple tree in the front yard. There's no electricity. There's no running water. Oh, there are no toilets. No. There's no air conditioning. There's no, no TV. TV. There's is, no nothing. It is somehow worse than when she grew up. In it like, is worse. Oh than yeah. They are so far away from doctors and civilization that people die. It is the wild fucking West. People die of things that they never would have died of in Indiana or wherever. Like, it's just abject, utter, total poverty. No shoes, no clothes. She makes her own bras for like years. The first time she gets a store-bought secondhand bra is when she's like in her 30s and has multiple children. Like... I would just go... I would go without, but that's probably against the rules somehow. Well, yeah, comfort, you know, support, stuff like that. Right. She has to make all of her... Well, you know, you never know. Some people, whatever, but... Yeah, but her yeah. case was that she wanted the support of undergarments and she had to make them. She lives like oh. this. So that's the first problem. Ridiculous, pointless poverty. The second point, she turns out, guys, sharing a husband is terrible. Okay? <laughs> like, so I can what imagine. a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> when you think about the logistics, the way that she breaks it down, it actually gets really sad. So her husband ends up having, say, eight wives. He may have had 10 wives, but not all at the same time because two of them left him, I think. But each, like about every other year for a while in her marriage, he adds another wife, which means it's not just like, oh, tonight's my turn. Tomorrow is Charlotte's turn. It's like, I can see you once every 10 days Hmm. for the birthdays that he misses. Eventually, like the anniversaries that they miss. The childbirths that he misses. And he literally tells her, if I, so her husband works in the States and he crosses the border, you know, sends money home, et cetera. So he's away on business a lot. And he literally tells her. We need these wives. Yes. He said, if I had to come back home for every childbirth of each of my wives, I would never get any work done. Oh my God. That is wild. Because it is fucking wild. So Irene ends up having... And also, that's not a great excuse. Like, <laughs> no. 
I just okay. Well, stop getting wise. Yes, just making children. <laughs> You've got enough. Another problem, and this blew my mind, and absolutely, I found so compelling. So I say this was written by an FL. DS lady from the 50s. She's conservative, but she is very clear. She was expecting to enjoy a normal sexual relationship with her loving husband. That's Mm -hmm. marriage. Like, that's what she Mm -hmm. was expecting. Her husband is so committed to the FLDS principle of only having sex to procreate that there are years, multiple years, where they have sex one time. She gets pregnant and immediately he's like, okay, well, we're done. I'm going to go see my other wives. And oh, he does not no. touch her for two years at a time because he can't touch her during breastfeeding. So, like, uh, every two years, she gets to do it one time. And then, I, then she's pregnant again. I am, like, equally <laughs> split between, like, he is so terrible that I wouldn't want him to touch me. And then, like, yeah. girl, that's a long, dry spell with the person that you're married to. The person that you're married to. And I'm Irene assuming she's not doing her she own needs. Yeah. Well, no. she's not. I she's bet not it's, a, I bet it's against the yeah. rules. Yeah. Right. That's definitely against the rules. Irene uh, is very clear. She's like, you know, I'm a good FLDS lady, but we're in a relationship. I love you. You love. We're pretty clear that, you know, humans are complicated and he loves her too. He's just not very good at it because <laughs> he keeps marrying other women. So like he loves her in his way. And it's definitely a case of like, I don't want the crumbs. I want the whole cake. I don't deserve the crumbs of your love. And so Irene's journey as she has ultimately 13 living children, count them 13, literally as quickly as possible. So by the time she's, I want to say she's 35 when she has her her 13th child. That is horrifying. That is horrifying. Utterly horrifying. She. (laughs) Nora, your face. (laughs) So she has. I'm like, I'm processing right yeah, now. Yeah. 13 children, no washing machine, no running water, no electric stove. You have to chop wood, you know, to have a stove. You have to grind no. your own flour to bake your own bread. No blippy. No blippy. Like, there's no blippy. <laughs> there's no YouTube. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it just worse and worse and worse. But what I thought was admirable is like she, even when she is being technically following the rules and being good, she still sticks up for herself. She will still tell her husband, this is not the relationship I signed up for. I deserve more. I need more help with the children. You should come home. I have to have a C-section. I would like you to hold my hand. Like, Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> All this like, unreasonable stuff. <laughs> I know it's crazy. So it has a lot of survivalist elements. Like if you enjoy reading stories about people who are just like surviving in the old West, crazy Mm -hmm. shit they have to do. It has a lot of that. I mean, it's sad that it happens in the 60s and 70s, but like, I mean, it's happening. Ultimately, Irene does come to a breaking point and has to make some choices about her life moving forward in her 30s. So yeah, it's wild. 30s are like, 30s is where it's at. Yeah. No, it is. The 30s, I think it's when you're like, um, this bullshit is nothing that I'm putting up with anymore. So no, hate I it for you. Yep. 20 year old me. Yeah, I was open to some bullshit, but we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, I think this man has 59 children, 13 of whom are Irene's. He has eight to 10 wives. I can't really remember. I'm still over here processing, like, this is not book-related, but I'm processing this fertility shit. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got to have some, like, great swimmers and some great, like, you know, 
stuff going on to for this all to work yeah, out. Yeah. And I'm just like, my mind is blown. Yeah. I mean, obviously they don't do birth control, but they also, because they're yeah. so hyper fixated on procreating that um, he would time his, like they would do the visits based on her like fertility calendar. Her cycle. Her cycle. Right. So which she that hated. doesn't always work. It doesn't yeah, always that work. doesn't always work with everybody. But she was like but. 16, 18, yeah, okay. 21. Okay. You know. Gotcha. It's just fucking wild. Sense. Yeah, it's really messed up. It's very compelling. It's well written. She still has a personal touch. There is plenty of levity, funny anecdotes, and some charming anecdotes about her sweet children. She does find friends. Like there's there's some good stuff. It's not an entire horror show. It's just ninety eight percent horror show. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Extremely Does, compelling. Are her children still in the the FLDS church so or whatever? She says in the epilogue, in the original epilogue before passing, is that four of her children are living in polygamy at the moment. But she has hope okay. that that will not last. Okay. I don't know about like post that, you know, but right. I do know that she maintained a loving relationship with all of her children her entire life. That's I think she says in the epilogue that six grandchildren are named after her. Oh, like, that's so sweet. That's yeah, sweet. They, it was very moving. Like as a mom, there was stuff where you're like, are they only going to remember my worst moments and my worst yeah. struggles? And she has some struggles, but <laughs> like they, she was a good mom. She was a better parent yeah. than her terrible husband. And that part is like, really like you want her to be okay. You want her to come out on yeah. top. And um, ultimately, I was very satisfied with the ending and super intense, very compelling. I don't know. If you're into cult shit, if you're into FLDS stuff, <laughs> check out Shattered Dreams. And I want to make fun of it having a very melodramatic title. But literally every dream that she has is shattered. <laughs> yes. It's, oh, yeah, that's what I remember. Like all everything she ever hoped for in her like really innocent little like 1950s heart was just destroyed by destroyed. The, the belief in this really extreme fundamentalist section. And she religion. is so dramatic, but true. Yeah. And she is writing this memoir. So you know that she has come to terms with like how bad the system is for women and families. Yeah. yeah. I highly recommend it. If you are looking for a memoir to read, you should check out Shattered Dreams, My Life as a Polygamist's Wife by Irene Spencer. Cheers, Irene, wherever you are. We support you. Yes. Nora. <laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. Nora. <laughs> I feel very strongly about that one. No, I hope I hope she is uh, not on a planet with her husband and his one thousand wives. Like she, she's not same. She no way, told, she's not. She was told that she would not be there. Oh, she, right. is, she, she made them. other choices. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. So. so she is not on that planet. She's not on that one. She's oh. <laughs> y'all. There, were, well, good for her. There was a moment where she's like, "Hang on a second. Heaven just means I live on a planet with my husband, who's a god." He just keeps marrying more wives. I just keep having babies. That's heaven. And they were like, no, yeah, it Irene, that's heaven. And she was like, not for me. <laughs> it was great. So yeah. Love that, Irene. Love it. Yeah, she's okay, great. I, I remember as you were talking, I was remembering and I remember the sense was like, everything was horrible. But the voice of Irene was like, ugh. Yeah. She, it was just lovely and you're just like yeah. i cannot believe you endured this but like it came out on top and didn't like break who she was like as her spirit so yeah yeah 
She has a very. That's why she came out on top because she was she was so lovely. Yeah, you know, lovely lovely people. Yeah, good karma, karma. (laughs) Yeah, so like I'm grateful to the Mood Wheel for forcing me to read more. That's that one's gonna stick with me. It was very memorable. So yeah, Nora, what do you have to talk about? Speaking of Mood Wheel picks, I read my last Mood Wheel pick, which was Pumpkin Heads by Rainbow Rowell. And then it was illustrated by Faith Erin Hicks. It was cute. I mean, it, you know, they, these two characters are working this like pumpkin patch type festival. They work it all through fall. They've done it, you know, since it's there. This we're at their senior year. They've done it since I guess freshman in high school when they could get jobs. And we're at the like their last night. And so we're going through different different things. It starts out as uh, one character is female, one character is male. And so one has a crush on another employee of the pumpkin patch. And it's the girl is like like, oh, we're going to get y'all together. Well, things happen and it's just, it's cute. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was just, this is a graphic novel. So I literally read it in probably 30 minutes, read it all in one sitting and it was cute. I I think it would be great for a young adult. This was a young adult graphic novel. It's not anything that I would probably recommend for like an adult. It's unless you just want something that's like, oh, I could use something fallish and cute. Maybe I didn't, you know, because it's all about the pumpkins, <laughs> pumpkin patch. <laughs> it's just very fall, fall oh, vibes. Nice. They talk about cute smells of fall. So it was, it was cute. That's basically all I have to say about it. It was cute. There were some little backstory, not backstories, but like added in things. At one point, I think a goat gets loose on the patch. And so that was, that was kind of funny. There's some other stuff, but I probably, get a cute I probably will read it in the fall. Like once the sun starts planting yeah. and the weather cools it down. Would be a, right. It would be a very cute, like fall vibes moment, but you know, we're, we're, it's March. You know, we're, we're about to head into spring, and so it wasn't exactly the right mood. I was not in the right mood as a mood reader <laughs> uh. to, to read this book, but I will say there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. It was very cute. It just, you know, it didn't wow me. I was not blown away by it. So, all right. Well, enough with that. <laughs> what I have been reading are some Jane Eyre retellings. In fact, I have read three. Have Mm. I actually read the original Jane Eyre? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) It was a signed reading. (laughs) It probably... It probably was a signed reading. So, of course, I did not read it. I started getting into reading reading Twilight. So, of course, I've never read Jane Eyre. So, I will rely on you guys to help out with that. And, of course, it's so been like th- 20 years since I've read Jane Literally. Eyre. Literally. I last read <laughs> well, it in 2006. So, Do your best. <laughs> That's all I can ask it. for. <laughs> we can pull up the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I have a page um, up with like the major plot points. Perfect. Okay, that's what we need, which we'll probably cover because there's three. And I think they pretty much cover the major plot points, I would guess. So the first one, after Emily reviewed The Wife Upstairs in one of our previous episodes, I decided that I needed to read that. And I really enjoyed it. This is The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. (laughs) That is the one that Emily read. Wife Upstairs number one. Wife Upstairs number one. Rachel's edition. (laughs) Because next... I found out that Jane was reading The Wife Upstairs by Frida McFadden. Oh, boy. 
And then I also had to read that. <laughs> this is the so battle of the wife's upstairs. I mean, like, it's it was crazy. And then, you know, I enter every single Goodreads giveaway that I can. I happen to win. Thank you, Goodreads and St. Martin's Press for giving me Within These Wicked Walls mm. by Lauren Blackwood. That's a cool title. That, that was apparently a Jane Eyre retelling. <laughs> so Jane Eyre I was, is having her moment. I don't know, like, is it, this the 200th you know, anniversary of Jane Charlotte Eyre? Is has a big enough head. Just don't even... <laughs> She's fine. Whatever. Says Emily. Yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> Apparently, she burned all my letters after I died. It's cool. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, well, now I have to read Within These Wicked Walls. The Wife Upstairs. So, it takes place in Alabama. There's a Jane POV. She's hired to clean the house. Is that correct? Dog walker, wasn't it? Yeah, dog walker. Okay, so she was the dog walker, and then they eventually fall in love. In my wife upstairs, she is the house cleaner. Ah, okay, okay, here we go. (laughs) Battle of the Janes. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. (laughs) (laughs) I just know eventually she makes her way into the house full time, right? Or is that wrong? In my, in Rachel's version? Yes. Yeah, well, and Rachel's. Okay, so she is a dog walk, and then they start dating, basically. Oh, okay, okay. So, God, they are all running together. <laughs> okay, but we all we have Jane's POV. We also have the wife, the the dead wife's POV. B. B. Good old Bertha. Is it her point of view, or is it's her it's point her of view? This isn't like a journal. Okay, oh. so we're reading a journal. Okay, we're also reading a journal in Frida's The Wife Upstairs. Okay. So that's where I was like, am I confusing them? What is actually happening? And if Frida's The Wife Upstairs, our main character is hired on to be like the caretaker of the wife who has Mm fallen this like terrible accident. Oh, so you mean Verity? Exactly. Oh, it is very close to Verity. If you listen to my mini review, I compared the two of them. So Uh the wife is wheelchair bound and cannot speak because of her traumatic brain injury that she sustained falling down the stairs so but she can gesture enough to point her caretaker towards her journal and so that's how we get the wife's point of view right I'll go back to Verity in a minute when we Verity by Colleen Hoover. This is yes, going to be so, incomprehensible. <laughs> I know. This is going to be very unhinged. Love this. So, I spoilers. I, I we've got to talk about the spoilers because we have we have to talk about the entire book and how they're different. So, if you if you want to read either three of these books, I guess just stop listening now. We're not going to get that detailed, but I mean, we really have to talk about the difference. So we've got to talk about the difference in endings. And really, if you have read Jane Eyre, like if you haven't, it came out a really long time ago. You've had time. Right. These these endings are, there is one thing in all of these endings that happens that's the same is we all end in flames. Like the house ends in flames. In Rachel Hawkins, the wife upstairs, the wife and Jane escape because shocking, the wife is not dead. Is that correct? Correct. Well, okay. okay, Hold on. Events transpire. Things are discovered. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the house burns down. Jane gets out and never sees B or Eddie again. It is right. inferred. Perhaps they both escaped. Who knows? We never find the bodies, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's right. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, so in Frida McFadden's, there's multiple twists. So I'm reading Frida McFadden's as if it is super similar to Verity by Colleen Hoover. And so the entire time I'm like, 
I've got this figured out. I know the twist. And well, guess what? I didn't. (laughs) So they play you as if Victoria, the wife, is crazy. They want, well, part of it is they want you to think that the husband is just really horrible. But if you're like me, you second guess everything. And so I'm like, this is a fake journal. She is just trying to write down, like, she's psycho. That's just what I'm thinking. We all read Gone Girl. We know. Right. Right. (laughs) And so I'm just thinking, okay, well, Victoria is the psycho one. It can't be the husband. This is the difference here. This is what's different. Well... That's what you think. Then we get a little extra twist that it really is the husband who's crazy. Oh, no. Yeah. And so then we get another twist, which I'm going to leave out. But what I loved so much about this book was that it really did keep me guessing up until the last sentence. Oh, my God. So read the epilogue if you read it. Much like The Housemaid. You know, like that's how, because I read The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden and then I read this and I was like, okay, so common themes, her main characters are like fairly unlikable people that you're like, I don't care. And then there's like an extraordinarily handsome and charming husband. And then there's like a wife who you can't trust because she's like a psycho and she had like an incident in a mental hospital. Mm -hmm. And so, and then the main character begins sleeping with the super charming husband Mm -hmm. because she feels bad for him and his psycho wife. I mean, that is exactly the same plot points like The Housemaid. Yeah, yeah. that's The Housemaid. (laughs) But like The Housemaid... I was getting that one confused, too, with the other ones. But like The Housemaid, it was like a tennis match where I was like, this is it. No, this is it. No, this is it. And and then at the very end, I was like, oh, my God, how did you trick me in the epilogue? So I will say that I loved, so the first two are so similar. That's why I'm kind of discussing that first. And then I'll get into the other one and we'll discuss it. Okay, Rachel Hawkins, The Wife Upstairs. I loved how well written it was. I just really liked her vibes. I liked how she wrote it. It was descriptive. It was just, but also easy to read. It was very readable. Yes, I love how she writes. Now, I did guess, I guessed the ending, but I also wasn't mad that I guessed it just because of how it was so wrapped up with a bow, except at the end we're like, oh, no, no bodies were found. So that was kind of like a surprise. I really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed reading it as a whole. I think it's the better book, but... The wife upstairs. Mm-hmm. I think that the other I enjoyed one? it more. Yes, the other okay. one. Sorry, Frida McFadden. Oh God. I think I don't know that one. It's hard to say because it's not as well written. It's not as descriptive. It's not as like pretty. I guess you would say. But like those twists at the end. That's what makes like a thriller. Yeah. For me, the experience. Yes. And so I don't know. I can't. I can't really. Yeah, choose when it's ramping one, up to the end, it's like like you don't stop. You're just like, oh my god, oh right, my god. oh my god. They're both so similar, but like different. And so yes, here I am. I maybe I enjoyed the experience of Frieda McFadden's better, just because she kept me guessing like crazy towards the end. Like I literally was like, oh yeah, I knew it. And then I went, wait, what? And then it's like, oh, wait, oh, oh. And then at the last, you know, at the last second, you're like, oh wow, that, that happened. And it just brings everything together. So with that being said, we have Within These Wicked Walls by Lauren Blackwood, and it is extremely different from the other two. And so it makes me wonder, it it really made me wonder, okay, is this one more similar to the original Jane Eyre plot? But as I was reading some uh, reviews today, they were like, this is not like Jane Eyre at all. 
I mean, so, to be fair, talking about the wives upstairs, neither of them are really strike me as great and true parallels of Jane Eyre. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read the little book blur because I feel like it does a better description than I could. So it says, what the heart desires, the house destroys. <laughs> Andromeda is a dead terror. An exorcist hired to cleanse oh. households of the evil eye. I did not expect this. No. <laughs> when when a handsome young heir named Magnus Rochester reaches out to hire her, Andromeda quickly realizes this is a job like no other. With horrifying manifestations at every turn, and that Magnus is hiding far more than she has been trained for. Death is the most likely outcome if she stays. But leaving Magnus to live out his curse alone isn't an option. Evil may roam the castle halls, but so does a burning desire. Hot. So this is a Ethiopian retelling. Ooh. Just put that out there first. Ooh. Yeah, I was very intrigued. I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. When... I first started reading this. I was like, oh, this is why fantasy because there's a unique magic system. But like as you get into it, it's for sure horror. Like mm. I would definitely categorize this as a YA. Horror. It's gothic. Is it gothic? It is. Yes. Uh. I mean, yeah, it is. That's we've got this strange house. Oh, God, I love it. Okay. All this stuff. Same same concept. So the magic system is so she's this, she's a Debtera and she creates these. Oh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. These like talismans, these uh, things that they wear out of silver and cords. And so while she is like exercising a demon, she's creating this this thing, this magic thing that's going to exercise it. So a difference between that I found between this one and the other ones is that like their love story is more real. It's not toxic. It's not like there's this guy that is too almost too perfect. Like Magnus got on my nerves. I didn't I didn't <laughs> like him. He was pretty annoying, but they just kind of went together. They just fit. There's no wife. In this one, there's a fiance. She's not crazy. She's not trapped there. She's just another character in the story. So there is like a love triangle element. It ends in flames. I Like I said, I didn't really enjoy the love story aspect. There is a dad figure that Andromeda, mm -hmm. she like the dad, the dad figure trained her to become a Debtera. And so there's a very strong relationship there, but there's also a lot of trauma. Mm. What I did like it is that trauma gets resolved or like it gets talked through. And so there is there's some work that takes place there. That was my favorite thing about the book. Other than that, I didn't love it. I relate mm. I rated it lower than the other ones just because it the love story aspect of it just it was just very annoying <laughs> like I didn't I didn't think it was realistic maybe it's one of those things where it was a bit too YA I mm, don't know yeah. I've read I've read some really terrific YA books so I don't like to say that this is her debut novel so I I don't know it was cool it was cool to see the different aspects but like a lot of the way through it I was just like okay blah 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 let's cast out some demons already like right. let's stop talk like swearing into each other's eyes and having all like there's like a, a third act breakup let's walk the walk man <laughs> yeah let's get rid let's get rid of some demons already and figure out you know what's gonna happen but it was cool it's very different from any other books I've read. So I would um, recommend it to anybody who 
wants to read something different. It's a different culture. So it's also, you know, very cool dabbing into all that. But overall, it was just kind of eh for me. And I preferred the other two more wilder tellings over that one. You got to have the twist. But I, yes. But I still appreciate a good free book. <laughs> and that one has a beautiful cover. It does. It does have a great cover. And a great title. Yes. It's one of those that like sounds really, really great, but it just fell yeah. a little flat for me. That's fair. All right. So let's go over some major actual plot points in Jane Eyre and see if any of our three books cover them. Okay. So, and I'm going to try to right. generalize because like, who am I Spoilers. to talk about Charlotte Bronte's <laughs> work and Lee's sister? Right. She's fine. It's not that great. <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> If you get a chance, reader, read Jane Eyre by the other Bronte. The other lesser (laughs) Bronte, yes. The fame hungry. Yeah. All right. So Jane, who is going to be our female main character, she has trauma from when she was younger. So that's definitely a factor in Rachel Hawkins' wife upstairs. It is a main factor Mm -hmm. in Freedom McFadden's. And this one too. Excellent. Jane goes, she becomes a governess slash works for male main character, Mr. Rochester and falls in love with him while she's under his employment. He's so dreamy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So that checks for all three. So then a fire happens and Mr. Rod in his home and Mr. Rochester claims it was the maid Gracie Poole and one thing leads to another and then Jane finds out that Mr. Rochester is still married after he confesses his love to her. Then she finds out about the secret wife. That is not really what happened in my book. Yeah. I don't think either none of Well in Rachel Hopkins's book she finds out after he confesses that he's still in love with what she thinks is the memory of his dead wife. It's like, she was like, oh, he's over it. And then she's like, wait, no, he's... Right. But the fire comes after all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're talking about, Jane, correct me if I'm wrong. You're talking about a moment in the middle where, like, something big yeah. happens. And they, like, oh, okay. have a adventure. And he's putting out the fire in the middle of the night. And she's like, why is this on fire? And he's like, I don't know. IDK reason. But really, it's because his wife is locked in the attic. Yeah. Okay. I think is there a moment in Frieda McFadden's? No, I no, like the think. whole thing is a moment where you're like, uh, I'm getting this version from your wife's journal, mm-hmm. and then I'm getting this version from the husband, the house cleaner, whatever. Everyone's backing yeah. up the husband's version, and so like the whole thing is a moment of like, I don't know. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> And within these wicked walls, they have this thing where it's like, like I said, the third act breakup. So he confesses his love and then she finds out he's engaged. And then, you know, then eventually that doesn't work out and whatever. Okay, so sorry, there is something. You kind of have that. Yeah. So yeah. the next sort of major plot point is Jane can't handle it and she runs away. I think this is not similar in all. Like the, she did the right thing in Jane Eyre. She was yeah. like... <laughs> Fuck you, moment, you're married. She does the right thing. And she runs you're married? Off. No, y'all. Okay, it's... so Andromeda in Within These Wicked Walls runs. She gets freaked out after they're trying to, you know, exercise a demon. And sure. she, spoiler alert, the demon is inside of Magnus, like the big demon. Oh. And so she sees him in this, like, very creepy way. She gets really fucking freaked out and bolts. Eventually, she comes well, back. Well, so, okay. So, that point to within these wicked walls. 
Okay. Jane runs away. And then somehow, even though she was a super poor, traumatized governess, she, a uh, rich uncle dies and leaves her an inheritance. And she does not yeah, have well, book. It, it's a very vindicating, like, I, she, Jane Eyre was always treated poorly by her. She is of like a, a good family, but she wasn't treated well. And then, so this is a very like, fuck you. Like, yeah, I knew it. She gets mm. hers. So this happens in Rachel Hawkins' wife upstairs in the epilogue, not Ooh. in the... Oh, right. I think that element happens in the epilogue for different reasons. Like the different... It's not her rich uncle that you know, leaves her the money, but she does get left a pile of money. Yes. And yes. her life is transformed. So Andromeda in Within These Wicked Walls, so the trauma that's going on with her dad figure... That it gets all resolved and we're like happy and realize everybody loves each other. And then, of course, he fucking dies. He doesn't necessarily leave her any money, though. Like, she's not better for it. It's just that all this trauma has kind of been resolved. You know, things are just healed. But she ends up financially okay because she ends up with Magna. Ew. Oh, so, wait. That fault, that we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, I just, you talked about how much you didn't like Magnus. And now I'm like, boo. <laughs> Forgetting the entire I mean, plot point of Jane Eyre. <laughs> he's fine. I mean, he's like, he's not you know, manipulative and crazy like the other like books Eddie. have him. But he's, I was just kind of like, oh, you're kind of annoying. You're emotional and annoying. Okay, so, so that's to me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wealthy Jane goes off with this man who's doing missionary works and he proposes to her. He He's in love with her. And she almost says yes. She has a dream that Mr. Rochester is calling her. And she realizes, <laughs> I cannot romantic. marry someone who I'm not in love with. And she leaves. I'm in love with Mr. Rochester. This wonderful guy to go back and find Mr. Rochester. Who needs her? This is gross. I don't like Okay, well, at the time. Yeah, okay. it was so romantic. It's so romantic. Oh, also, okay. watch the version with Mia, what's her name? And my Very romantic. Just picture that. Okay. Michael Fassbender okay. needs her. <laughs> so she, I will help you. Okay, so she returns to Thornfield. So she has the dream and she's like, I can't marry you. I don't love you. I love Mr. Rochester. He, you know, betrayed me with the secret wife and the blaming it on the maid and all that stuff. So she returns to his estate and she discovers it's burnt down. His wife is no longer, like, she's dead. So she's not in the yeah. picture. He's blind. And she's like, Whoops, but I twist. love you. Oh. I love you anyways. And then she marries him and he regains sight in one eye. And the <laughs> end. Jane Eyre. I forgot about that part. And then this is the part that my English professors, but it's like, she's talking about everything. You know, it's Jane's POV. And at the very end, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Finds him and he's blind and he's destitute and everything is so crazy. And then she's, she's like, reader, I married him. And then you're like, <laughs> oh my God, she did. She married, they got together after. Oh. And it, apparently it's like a very important moment in British, whatever. Oh, the no, that, is, that line is famous. Reader, comma, I married him. I just can never remember which, but it's not in any of my books. No. Nope. It was well, not I, in any Jane Austen books. Not any of my books. <laughs> Book. Whatever. I I personally have not read all of my books. <laughs> you um, have too many but to read, I would, Nora. Yeah. I have too many. <laughs> like, I have too many to read. Nobody's read all I, of your books. I don't think that that's in there. I don't think I would put that in there. It's a good moment. I can speak. My book did not have any returning to the husband once his wife was dead and marrying him. That did not happen. 
Yeah, I want to. I'm going to venture a guess to say that, just like in the Rachel Hawkins book, we the one thing that these retellings have in common is we do not get back together with Mister Rochester. Yeah, never ever. I mean, with within these wicked walls, she there's like oh, wait, she there's does the nurse. fiat. Oh, but like, but there's a fiance situation that's not exactly like complete she doesn't like, get it burned was to death in his house <laughs> no Bummer. absolutely not she she like, <laughs> she ends up being like i'm gonna sacrifice myself for him like this is this is the fiance i love him so much i'm gonna sacrifice myself for him with this demon situation mm. I don't, it involves some exorcism stuff it's it doesn't work out, but she ends up being fine. And so that girl is fine. Okay, good. She didn't Everybody actually sacrifice herself. She okay. didn't actually okay. sacrifice okay. herself because okay. I, I was worried that. about that too. I was like, I'm not Excuse into this. Me, no. You're like, well, you're one of the good ones here. Yeah. So blameless. So we didn't have that. It was just like, oh my gosh, she's engaged. How dare he? And then, you know, that happened. So much emotions. There's a lot of so emotions, emotions in this book. <laughs> Gross. In a horror book. Like, it, there's a lot of emotions well, in this Well, that's, book. I mean, horror books are like, a good horror book is not about the scary stuff. It's about how we feel about each other. Oh, Stephen King well. taught me that. Eh? See? Tie back in. Right? <laughs> the earlier part of the podcast. <laughs> continuity i don't know if stephen king would love this no i don't i don't think this is him no i mean probably not <laughs> I, I, we can't speak for him but you know whatever email us stephen king we've got a lot of questions we would for really you. like to talk to you <laughs> well that's it that's our like that's my okay. battle of the jane airs battle of the janes she is having a vogue at the moment obviously i feel like verity is the most popular retelling at the moment is that does she does she say that 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 it's a jane Eyre retelling i don't think so but i okay, mean we well, all know i was <laughs> yeah i mean i i read that one first like yeah last year or year before and while i'm reading the Ra rachel hawkins and especially the freedom mcfadden mm -hmm. one i was like oh my gosh is this verity so verity you know, is just jane Eyre, man colleen we also have questions we <laughs> colleen hoover Discuss. we're on to you <laughs> <laughs> that was a good like you know nora i almost feel like we can award you honorarily jane Eyre. oh thank you because i'll <laughs> never read the original yeah, yes. and meanwhile yeah, i was probably. like oh i'm gonna reread the original now i'm in the mood okay. <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm a little torn over here because you know obviously don't read her books charlotte sucks but secretly i really love jane Eyre. <laughs> i read it in middle school first so then i read it again in college and after this is done i'm gonna catch the michael fassbender version from 2011 including judy dench where she's the housekeeper and mia w is like jane is oh it's so good it's so romantic i was just thinking i might put it on because uh when i turn on hulu it's like do you want to watch jane Eyre? yes and tonight i might say yes Yes, Hulu, I do. Thank you. You're welcome, Hulu. <laughs> Sponsor us. Yeah, Sponsored yeah, Hulu, by right here. Hulu. We have so many fake sponsors, you guys. This is great. <laughs> Love this. I can't wait till that, that Amazon money starts rolling in. <laughs> Gonna get Stephen King on board. Henry Cavill still still has not answered my audio letter yet. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting. It's fine. I'll wait. I don't mind. One thing before we do the mood wheel. I am super excited. I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or if I just TikToked about it, but I read Blood Orange by Karina Hale Hallie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize, mm -hmm. Internet. I did not Google this first. I'm gonna say Hale. This is a Kindle Unlimited book. 
This is a Dracula duet. It's very smutty. I'm going to say five out of five spice rating. It's so well written. It is so compelling. It ripped my heart out and tore it up in front of me while I cried. And then it was like, (laughs) wait for book two, Black Rose, coming out December 2022. So I finished this book and I'm like, hell yeah. And so I click on it and it goes to a dead link. So then I pull it up on the internet and then I look on the author's um, Instagram and social stuff. And she is very clear that at the time she was taking a break from publishing. She had experienced some life events and was dialing back, protecting her mental health. So like, Mm -hmm. we totally support that Karina we all about supporting your boundaries but today I opened up Instagram I was going through stories and you guys Black Rose is coming out March 19th I'm so excited yay <laughs> this series is so I mean it, this duet is so good so far and uh, if you're looking for a really smoking spicy sexy vampire quick read you know it's not gonna burn you for too long it's pretty quick very well written super fun cry a good deal check it out and book two is about to drop in the best month of the year march so yeah you know it's like a little present to me happy birthday pisces you get this (laughs) as a present to pisces all over the world from author karina hale probably how you say it who knows black rose comes out march 19th we're super pumped Okay. Woo-hoo. That being said, Jane, it is time for the mood wheel. Who are we wheeling today? <laughs> We're wheeling for Nora. Yay. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, it's me, right? <laughs> All right, Jane. Spin for us. <laughs> what did we get? We have landed on nonfiction. Ooh, this is perfect. You hate nonfiction. <laughs> I'm so excited. Do I have anything, you, I have you have anything on that list? Okay, well. Ooh, let's check this out. Okay. Ooh, ooh, Nora. Educated. So good. Um, I don't know. That, that was my we picked wheel. That for I know, but you didn't read it. No, I just have to read it by next time. This is literally my next book. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Okay, tell us about some of the, I don't know these other t- I don't know. Okay. Yeah. There's quiet and there's the psychopath test, which that title just sounds cool. Oh, quiet. It looks like it's quiet. The power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. Hmm. Uh, Between the world and me is by Tanisi Coates, which is very cool. I did not realize that. Hmm. I am not sure. Jane, what is your input? See, I get to do stuff like that because I'm the host. So. (laughs) If it was up to me, I would vote quiet because I'm interested in that, but not enough for me to read it. Yeah, I definitely don't want to read that, but I do support making Nora read it. Okay, we'll see. (laughs) She says confidently. So I started um, Bittersweet by the same author and I read chapter one and it was it was great. It was so insightful but I never picked it up because it's a nonfiction book. <laughs> well, good. This will be a challenge for you. Yeah, we'll yeah. S- we will see what happens. Oh, man, there's so many good nonfiction books out there. I can't just start listing all of them. But, like, you're welcome to choose something else. You're welcome. The Mood Wheel wanted me to read a memoir, and I got pushed out of my comfort zone, but I was still able to find something that was really compelling. I really enjoyed it. So, like, you never know. The mood wheel has spoken. Will Nora heed it? Probably not. You'll have to come back next time to find out. But until then, 
I have been your friend, Emily Bronte, with my friend, Jane Austen and Nora Redacted. This has been Mood Readers. Thank you so much for coming, guys, and we hope to see you back here next week. Jane, Emily, and Nora would like to thank Benji for the theme music. Follow at Mood Readers Podcast on Instagram and let us know if you've read any of the books we covered. We'll talk to you again at the next book club.